Hello, my friends. Welcome back to The Conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. In this episode, this is our fourth installment in the life cycle of an employee series that we're doing right now. There's five total. And this one, we're talking all about exiting team members or employees, how to exit talent from your company, whether they're being fired, laid off, or they quit. We talk all about the ins and outs of how to gracefully and with the least amount of impact on your organization possible, exit talent from your company. I cannot wait to get into this conversation with you. Before we do, I want to again mention the change imperative, change-imperative.com. This is an ebook that Dan wrote all about change management for your organization. And that's, I mean, what we're talking about in this series with talent and recruiting and hiring and firing and exiting and engaging, it's all around change management. So important. It's over 60 pages of just juicy material on the players that are in your company, how they show up, how they resist change or how, how they promote change, all of those sort of things. This is hands down the best tool you could have to affect change in your organization, change-imperative.com. Go check it out. Get a free copy. I keep telling Dan he should stop giving it away, but he insists. So go get a free copy and uh, let's get into the conversation. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to The Conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Adrian Kaler and Dan Takini. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Morning. So this week, this is our fourth installment in the life cycle of a employee or life cycle of talent. Today, we're talking, actually, the next two episodes, we're talking about exiting, whether it's, you know, uh, layoffs, firings, quittings, retirement. Somebody, talent is leaving the pool. Talent is heading for the door. And we want to talk about this episode uh, specifically is about prior to the exit. How do we how do we interact with that? The person, our teams, the culture. Uh, how do we prepare ourselves for the void that's going to be there possibly uh, for the replacement? All of that sort of stuff. There's so much to consider when we start to thinking about talent leaving our organization and our teams. And I want to dig into that. So without further ado, let's let's dive into it. The first thing that I want to talk about, and we have talked about it in this podcast, we've touched on it, but nothing um, deep, I believe. Uh, that does it justice is what are some of the effects that we experience as a team, as a culture, as a company? What are some of the effects that we may not be aware of when somebody exits our organization? No, there's a lot we may not be aware of. Right. <laughs> we're, we're not even aware of what we're not aware of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, and, and when usually when somebody's exiting, let's say they're quitting. I, I think one of the big things is, one of the big mistakes is there's a tendency to want to get not to talk to them when you actually need to sit down and have a one-to-one face-to-face conversation, right? And really to understand what's going on with them, uh, to be able to pick up, if you will, what responsibilities they've had, they have, what how's it, you know, what dependencies are in their department. Um, when do they want to have? When's their last day? That's one thing you'd want to know. What are the next steps? Um, setting up an exit interview, which I find to be one of the most important things in the process that tend, tends to get overlooked, tends to be forgotten. They, you know, it's kind of like, let's get them out of here as quickly as we can and let's replace them, right? 
or or it becomes like a, a formality or like a fix it. Like, how do I fit? How do I get them to not talk about whatever's going on? How do we get other people to not talk about what's going on? Yeah, and rather and, than an opportunity to learn. And we've talked a lot about transparency and openness. So if you've got a transparent culture and it's pretty open, when somebody leaves, it's usually it's something you're going to know about and probably be involved in, and it can be much more amicable. If you're siloed, and which a lot of organizations naturally get, um, they get siloed, and then you may not see it coming, and then there it's a whole different impact on the culture. You know, um, and and how to talk about that we're going to talk about. I know, and those are those are important things. But this is where a trans open and transparent culture pays off, mm-hmm. because especially if it's merit based and people are being measured by what they're contributing and by their promises, you know, there's, you know, their competency and their ability to contribute to the team, et cetera. Then these conversations aren't, they're not new. People are aware of what's going on and they tend to be a lot easier to manage than if they're siloed. That's the big deal. So. Yeah. I, I would think, I mean, I think about categories, first, first answer to that question, you know, so what's the effect on culture? I would think, what, what are the categories of the effects? Yeah. You know, because there's lots of them, right? So the first yeah. that come to mind, if you've been listening to us, you know, we naturally think about competency and we naturally think about attitude. attitude. So it's, it'd be good if, if your person's leaving either on their choice or your choice to think first a couple of those things. What do they do here that needs to be replaced? That's an easy one. Um, What's their effect here? And if they're leaving and they're they're choosing to leave, then they'll probably have a positive effect, potentially have a positive effect here. And you, it might ask the question, all right, what leadership, what leadership effect, like what, whether it's from an energetic standpoint, from a vision standpoint, from a conversational standpoint, just think about how they are because that there will be a, a void after that. Um, and, you know, if you're firing them, then there's probably a lot of the effect that you don't want around anymore. It's probably why you're letting them go. Good job. Other things that come to mind, though, categorically is like an informational category. Like, what do they know? Like a lot of times if someone's leaving after a while, they've got some institutional understanding that if that's not harvested and passed, harvested to be passed over, that could just go away. Yeah. Um, you might think about, you know, these are uh, like client relationships, another category that comes to mind. Who do they know and certain clients? And because, you know, let's say we have, a, we have a relationship with pick company Pfizer. If we have a relationship with Pfizer. Who do we actually know there? And how many people do we know there? And what are the distinctions between the people that we know there? There might be the one with power. There might be the one that's the most open. There might be the one that's the most advocate for us. You know, knowing, deciding to slow down and get connected to the particulars of their relational network from a business perspective is pretty wise to do. And, and if they're on their way out there, they won't be thinking about that and might give you a little finger if you, you know, if you start asking about it, but it's worth asking and getting to know the particulars of it. There are probably other categories. Those are the first ones that come to mind for me. I mean, there's a list of things I know uh, that one is, you know, be aware of you know company property. Collect the company property. Remove their access to anything that you know. All these are all things to think about. Pass out the necessary paperwork so they can do the work. You know, the cobra. You know, continuous 
coverage. If you have, if you have an HR department, they'll be on top of this. Make sure you have an exit interview. Let people know what's going on, right? And update records. Make sure they get their final check. I mean, there's a checklist. Those are things that just are kind of common sense. But a lot of times get overlooked. And in the process of doing that, a lot can be discovered with the employee. You know, when you're starting to do, you go through these processes, you're going to be connecting with them. And if they see that you've thought it out and you've got a checklist and you're working through it with them, they tend to get more information about what's wanted and needed. But as Adrian said, passing, like if they're in an account exec or something like that, really making sure that the, the clients are taken care of and, you know, then that's always, that's always an issue, right? I don't know. And that, that will strongly depend on also, I, I mean, cause a lot of sales organizations, guys, people leave and they take clients with them. Mm-hmm. Right? I've done some work in the insurance industry and that's been a big problem. And so knowing what that is and having a good contract with them when they come in. And if you don't, then you're going to be scrambling on the back end. Being organized is gives a sense of certainty to them and, and the process itself and keeps you on top of what needs to be done. You know, what about, I think about interpersonal impact, you know, the, those who these people worked closely with forever for, for however long they were with the company. So other other talent, other people involved on the team. So that's, I, I think of that, cons, you know, considering what's, what's the impact on them? Um, what's the impact on customers? Like you said, customers or clients that are used to hearing this voice and seeing this face. And, you know, if, if they're not taking them with them, what is the impact on that client or the customer interpersonally and their view on the company and the service when that person's gone? You know, this is all stuff that I've been up against in, in senior leadership roles in companies. And, you know, how do you start to gauge that? How do you, how do you dig in and start to get an understanding of what you, what it is you're up against once this, once this person's gone? Yeah. Well, one thing is think about, Who's going to be affected? Like, who are the who are the people going to pick up the workload? That's the first thing yeah. because you're going to have to redistribute that workload, and it's going to affect people who are already working, who already have a workload, and being able to frame that in a way that they would want to. You know, there's lots to think about in that, and until you get somebody to replace them, and then you've got to have somebody there to support the replacement to get oriented, onboarded. You know, you know, and get connected into that work. So those are all things to occur, you know, in the period that you're exiting the person. is like, who, geez, who's going to pick up this load? Who's going to be doing this? And are they up for it? And if they're not, what are ways we can get around it? So planning, you know, ways to accommodate that so that the clients or, or whatever they did is served, right? That they actually, the work gets done. So, yeah. If it's a planned exit, they're, everybody else on the team is thinking that same thing. So you got to, I mean, you got to address it, right? I mean, this is, this topic is so personal for me because I worked for two and a half years in the senior leadership team for a company who their policy, their way of their uh, policy in quotes, but their, their way of operating around exits was uh, don't talk about it. Sure. That worked. Pretend like everything is okay. You know, And, and one of your comrades will just, uh, be missing one morning. 
<laughs> you know, and everybody's going, where's, where's Tom? There's whispers of he's gone. There's, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And that's just, uh, man, I saw firsthand what that does to a culture and the morale of people. And yeah. how, there's so much that goes on. How are we going to get all this work done? Am I next? Uh, wh- what did he do so that I know, you know, yeah, right. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It makes, me, it makes me think about what my parents told me when my cat died when I was a kid. You know, oh, oh, oh uh, what was his name? Felix. Oh, Felix is just on vacation. <laughs> just on, and he never came back from that vacation. I, it was. Took very, his little bag, Felix's cat. He had his little bag, his top hat. Very confusing. <laughs> no, but um, I'm, I'm thinking about. Should we get nervous when you want to go on vacation? <laughs> Vacation's code for I might not be back. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I mean, first off, contextually, somebody leaving, there's usually some bit of grief there or or frustration there or both, right? So you might not want them to leave. That will be show up like grief, like regret. And if you're a leader and one of your people are leaving, that might be some embarrassment there, actually. Or what did I I hope I mean, hopefully there's some reflection about what did I do? What did I miss as a leader? Yeah, um, it's good to be in that conversation because if you don't, they've already they're already in it. They're leaving. If they're leaving, they got their reasons. And if you show up humbly and want to know, um, then that's going to create a positive effect uh, for the exit. Um, they're going out and they're going to be talking anyway. So, yeah. What, one of my key questions to ask is when you sit down with a person that's leaving, whether either way, if it's for good reason or bad reason, if they're you choosing or they're choosing. It'd be good to ask the question, how do we want to talk about this? Because there will be a narrative to Dan's point. There is a narrative coming because everybody, they got to come up, people are going to ask why they're leaving or they're going to go out and tell if they're upset why they're leaving. It's good to at least get the best that you can as a leader, get that conversation on the table. How are we going to talk about this? Because here's what we know for sure is that everybody, although there might be tons of conflicting feelings about them leaving, we want it to be peaceful. They also, even if they're leaving upset, they want it to be peaceful. Because if I'm a leader and somebody leaves not peacefully, I'm go. I am calling the next person that I'm going to hear where they're going next, and we're going to have a conversation about that. Yeah. So, you know, everybody wants this to go well, and even if we're upset with one another, we want this to go well. So, how are we going to talk about this? And, and therefore, that that provoked vulnerability in the conversations, planning in the conversations, some intentionality helps us get beyond the big feelings and into a scenario where both parties can speak strategically and as honestly as is chosen, right? Because not all of the details are needed. Um, but even if they're leaving, you know, they're going to want, I remember telling one client, I said, hey, when, you're, you, when you leave the building, you don't throw a grenade when you're walking out the front door. <laughs> that's all I know of you, right? That's all yeah, that's it. I mean, what do you want your legacy to be? Even if you're upset with this place, what do you want the conversation about you to be when you're gone? Do you want people to miss you or do you want people to be glad you're gone? That's up for grabs. And how you leave is a big part of what they'll think about you afterwards. So like really massaging that context, helping people think about it, and then getting a getting a narrative that's both, you know, I would say authentic is a word. Uh, is you know, but but not one hundred percent all the details. Nobody needs to know all the details. But you know, but what's true enough that it connects to what's happening on the ground, so that people that are dying, they will they will be either 
uh, invited into a narrative that's purposeful or they will create their own. So you want to help seed the right conversation that moves the organization forward despite the level of loss and despite the, um, how, how somebody leaves and even the personality that's there. So working with the person that's leaving to, to get an agreeable way to leave um, contextually in the conversation between you and them. And, and, uh, and I would just say as a, as a person, if you're an employer uh, and someone's leaving, even if you're really upset and thank God they're going, still choosing to be generous to them Mm-hmm. Um, is is a powerful choice and like the best choice in my view, like a strategic choice. Be generous to them, even if you 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 don't want them to show up to work tomorrow, but you got to wait for them for another week. Be generous to them, even if they've got you know so many characteristics or work habits that are horrible. You'd never hire them again. You still might want to write that letter 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 of recommendation for them for the next person. You'll still speak highly of them in a way that's honest and works for you because you don't want to lie to the person, but you do want them to go on. You probably want the best for them as a human. I mean, if they've had some serious malfeasance or whatever, that might be a different conversation. But for the most part, you do want them to move on to greener pastures, just not no longer be in your pasture. So, and, and the more I can come to terms with how I've contributed to it or as the manager or the leader of the organization, then I can speak. It, it's easier to speak to the team about it. It's easier to speak right. to anybody else about it. You know, there's so many different reasons why people leave. But like you said, unless there's some serious malfeasance, yeah, you know, they may look different in a different culture. They may look different in a different position. They may have been doing a good job, too. And then that makes it that much easier. Just you lose. Sorry. And you want to figure out what missed. Like, how did I miss this person? Or what, you know, what's wanted needed that I wasn't paying attention to? And how can I get cued into that with the rest of my team? But, yeah, I think definitely I know we want to maintain a collegial, very respectful conversation and be able to support them wherever they're going after that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting as you as you talk, one of the questions that I really wanted to explore with both of you is how do we set up a culture in a way that can weather the exitings, the inev- in- inevitable exitings that were going to happen? And I think... My question is answered in the previous episodes of this series before, <laughs> because you're going to show up as a culture, you're going to show up as a group and a team the same way in an exit that you have in an onboarding or a or a project or a. So if that is open and transparent and authentic, I mean it's it's just going to translate to this this part of the journey as well. It, well, it won't be a big surprise. We recent, I think we've lost one person that, you know, uh, we, last year we hired this person. They were coming on as an assistant or as a, they were helping us with clients. They wanted to be a, a, a consultant. Right? Mm-hmm. And we knew that this person didn't have a lot of ramp to do it. And we still took them on and did our best with them. And eventually, right after three months of working, they were right on the edge of starting and they went to work for somebody else and when we started to deep when i did the exit interview and we started talking and we looked at it well, we realized well this person really didn't have a ramp and we didn't really get it up underneath her as fast as we could we could have helped and but the exit interview really helped articulate to the team what hey this is what worked this is what didn't work here's how we contributed this is where this person went no hard feelings that, you know, we see that they had a need and they couldn't meet it here and we couldn't get up to that as fast as we wanted. And, you know, so she, they chose to move on. 
that we could see coming, right? Because we'd talked about it multiple times. Because So when this person said, you know, look, I've got to move on, it wasn't like, oh, no, right? It was sad because we really wanted to get him up. But it was like, oh, got it, right? No shame. You know, you've yeah. got me. And we we would love you to think that to stick with this. And, you know, my own thing was, you know, we got this thing. You're on the verge. You're on the verge. But, you know, people got to make the best choice they see available to them. And I can really understand them moving on. Right. So and that's one of the I think back about that. The more open and honest you are, then the less these things surprise you and you can anticipate them coming. Right. Mm-hmm. You can smell it coming. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and then if you can see it coming, you can ramp, maybe you can make a difference in it. At least you, you know, what's you know, you have a chance to make a difference in it and you can make an effort for it. And, and then if it doesn't work, uh, well, the conversation is much more civil and understanding and because, you know, you didn't make it, I didn't make my, I didn't, wasn't able to help this person. Yeah. You weren't able to do that. So, and the patterns are more recognizable, recognizable for the future. Right, mm-hmm. you're recognizing the pattern or that that could possibly be in place that would allow that allow this to happen again. Happen again, yep. yeah. Uh, I was listening to an interview with the founder of Airbnb. I can't remember his name right now, um, but you know they got hit hard in March, like really hard. Not yep. only not only did bookings just go away into thin air, but then they also had a huge amount of bookings on the books that weren't going to be able to be. Uh, that they had already taken money for, right? And so they just found themselves in a in a really sticky situation, and ended up having to lay off something like forty percent of their workforce. Now their workforce, and at that moment, you you guys were talking about generosity, and I just i <laughs> I got choked up when I was listening to this interview of him talk about it, but he in. 48 hours, they decided to take their recruiting team and turn it into a prospecting, a, a job prospecting team for those that they were laying off. Oh, that's awesome. And just the ingenuity and the creativity and the commitment to humanness. That's that, awesome. That is displayed there is just <laughs> so, just so cool. And as you guys talk about generosity, I just think that there's ways that we don't even know of yet that we can be generous with those who are exiting our our organization. And, and you know, even even when this the bandwidth is low and the circumstances are less than ideal, uh, there's still an opportunity to to breathe uh, charity into human. I was thinking of one of our clients, and I'll mention them because it's a good thing to say about them, Hyperloop, Hyperloop, Virgin Hyperloop 1. Somebody was leaving, and they made the decision to have me continue to coach them to help them find another career, right? Mm-hmm. That would be next for them, which I thought was extremely generous on their part because, you know, we did four or five sessions and helped this guy make the transition, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heather, we're doing this live. We we record these live on Facebook, and then they'll go to the podcast. So uh, Heather, who's who is uh, listening on Facebook, says another way to see things coming rather than wait for an exit interview uh, is is to implement stay interviews to understand what keeps people and what would make them That's want great. to organization. Uh-huh. It gives the organization a chance to identify the problems before valued employees leave. And that's that's so important. That goes 
that is right in line with our conversation that we had last episode, right? As we talked about keeping employees engaged in this series, that's very much what our conversation oh. was about. But that's spot on, Heather. Right on. Well, I'm putting that, I wrote that down, actually. Stay interviewed. Really good stuff. This is just your typical stay interview. Yeah. Well, <laughs> funny how much you have a stay interview. <laughs> so great. Brilliant. Think about it. So we talked about communication, what to communicate to whom a little bit. Like we kind of danced around it a little bit. How do you if if somebody's about to leave, they've given their two weeks or um or there's gonna be some layoffs happening or something like that, how how do we uh gauge or how do we come up with who needs to know what? <laughs> well, that's that's always the question. And there are a lot of different ways to think about this, but I believe transparency is probably the best policy. You know, uh, as, be- as transparent as you can to prepare people for what's coming. And that's not easy. You know, that's, you gotta, what's information that needs to be said that people need to know? What do people not need to know? has no relevance to what we're talking about or, you know, the issue at hand. And so that's why it's important to have a strong culture where you can communicate and weigh these things out and say, because people appreciate transparency as difficult as it is. They need, they want to know what's coming. So there's nothing worse than saying nothing. I mean, I, I remember we, there was a big upset with one of these companies I was working with. We were doing a, there's a turnaround and two people got fired. The CEO fired two people and then said nothing. And so what do you think's going on? Everybody's running around wondering, am I next? And they start get dusting off the resumes and, and the, this CEO didn't even think about it till we're in a staff meeting and somebody goes, Hey man, um, I've got some job offers. I'm wondering if I should take them because you know, you let so-and-so go and you know, should, you know, and this guy had a fit. He goes, no, what are you doing? He goes, well, shoot, we didn't know. You didn't say. We don't even know why they're not here. What's going on? So we're, you know, there were like three executives already looking for work. <laughs> so that's, you know, in the absence of a void, in a void, in the absence of communication, mm-hmm. something's going to fill the void. Usually stories people make up in their mind, and they're going to, they're probably going to be survivally, and they're going to probably go into a, a survival posture. And now that's going to take them offline to a large degree at work and put them online somewhere else looking for work or looking for something that's valuable, rewarding, can fill the hole in case they lose this job. So, Yeah. I mean, I, part of this, lots, lots of potential strategies here. I, I, I would, I mean, think, I mean, in some ways you can think strategically and also think politically. And, and what I mean by that is, and there are certain people that regardless of, where they are in the org structure actually have more influence. And you know who those people are, right? Who are the more outspoken, probably more persuasive voices. So they have some credibility in the organization. Yeah. Have some credibility, you know, so who kind of wins the crowd? I'd think about who we need to make sure they're on board because they're going to, whatever they think or whatever they say will actually become, you know, be evangelized throughout the organization. But, uh, you know, probably not surprising. You listen, this podcast that our answer would be communicate more um, <laughs> then, then you have time for more than is 
you know, jump in there. You're going to win people. The way you handle this and the honor with which you speak about the person that's exiting, either for good or bad reasons, why they're leaving, the way you honor them will actually help people leave. Whoever leaves next will leave better uh, than, yeah. than what they would. I mean, they're, you're, they're learning. They're listening and learning and watching how you treat people on the way out. Yeah, and, you know, with all the different platforms out there, too, you know, like slant, what is it called? Slanted Door. Oh, there's a couple Glass of door. Glass Door. That's it. I'm thinking of the restaurant Slanted Door. Um, Glass Door. And people can, you know, how people leave means a lot. And you want know, that reputation can mean the difference between somebody deciding your company and somebody else. So, yeah. you know, it's not, it isn't to overlook it, but it's to be collegial and to and with respect. But that that really happens way back in the culture. If if the culture is you know, if you treat people like widgets and you're, you know, you're not willing to connect with their humanity and, and it's all about the target and the scoreboard, well, you're probably going to have a lot less room and the ability to exit them with some elegance, you know. Whereas if you're connected to the people that you're working with and you respect and honor who they are and their contribution, uh, even when something doesn't go well, I found that people tend to be very forgiving and also willing to own their own stuff because they're in a culture where that's promoted. That's, that's exercised. So yeah, it really goes back to culture. Like, you know, you can't, you can't have a shitty culture and then decide, okay, we're going to have a good exit. Now we're going to yeah. we're gonna really take care of this person because they're going to come in. They're going to be very defensive and guarded and they're not going to want to give you the information that you're going to need to make it well, make it happen. Well, right. Yeah. The, the language that I use is a tool. Right when 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 the human is a tool for you to get what you say you want, when the tool no longer works, <laughs> like it's dulled or it's uh, you know it's it's decided that it's no longer up for the job. What do you do with the tool? You throw it away, right? And and that's what humans become when they no longer can serve, quote unquote, serve the purpose you say you're about, which is getting what you want. That you know, regardless of who's in the seat helping you get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a big deal, man. That's why culture's everything. I mean, when it comes to and you think about culture, again, I'm going to use the same thing I've used it three or four times. You know, we think of culture, one of the best metaphors, at least that's helped me, is, you know, you have people, processes, and structure. And culture is how we work together in those, you know, how people work together in the processes and the structure with each other. Mm. And, and, and so few conversations that I've noticed in, in many companies are about how we work together. Most of it's about let's get this process in, let's get the next technology. But what's really clogging things up is the inputs because of how we're working together into the systems, into the processes, right? And so getting to that place where we can work together and that we trust each other and that we respect one another. Those are the two big ones. Then things flow. You can almost, then you can alter the process. You can alter the structure. You can move people around without a whole lot of resistance. Mm. And at the very least, you'll be able to work through the resistance and have it benefit the process. So, so, a little bit of a little bit of a shift, but I think it's interesting. A lot of some of the conversations that I have with leaders that I coach, um, they're struggling to know when they should let somebody go. Like if performance is not up to par, 
uh, and they don't, they feel like they have tried everything to get the performance to what they expect. Uh, when do I let, like, when do I let them go? How, how many chances do I give them? And I think it's a valuable conversation to have in this one as we're talking about exiting. How do we start to gauge <laughs> how long we keep somebody around? Sure. Ask a hard question. That's really good. <laughs> I, I, I happen to be a proponent of let somebody go quickly if it's not working. Now, what does that mean? Right. So when you chunk that down, one, I got to be responsible about communicating clearly about what's not working. And as we've said before, it's either an attitude or it's a competency breakdown. Competency breakdowns, a lot easier, I find, to correct because usually if somebody's got the right attitude, they're going to figure out what they got to do and we can assess whether that's going to work or not. And maybe if it's not going to work, we move them somewhere else or we move them out. Right. And they understand that. Right. If it's an attitude problem, well, that, you know, that's a different challenge. And we've got it. And most people don't like to talk to attitude. No. I, I, every executive I work with, they want to talk about competency, competency, process, competency, competency. And they're usually sitting on top of an attitude problem. And it's almost like a spoiled brat. Some, you know, exec gets away with murder because nobody wants to go, hey, wait a minute. What, what does that mean? Let's sit down and talk about your attitude. How well do you think that's going to work here? What, how do you think that impacted the team? Or let's, let's you know, understand what's going on here. And either case, I've found that a clear description of the breakdown, like this is what's not working, and then here's an example written. This is what happens when this when you when this breakdown occurs. This is what happens on the team with us, with me personally. If it continues, this is where it's leading. It looks. This is what could be lost, including your job. Let's talk about what you see and what's wanted and needed, right? That's kind of like, I'm here to stand with you to get it done. And then I want to see where this person goes, and I'm going to work with them. Now, if it's not satisfactory, I'm going to have it in writing. And I'm going to have very clearly what's wanted and needed, and we meet again. I might do two or three of those write-ups, and on the fourth one, They've basically, if they haven't corrected, they're out, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I do the process, and most people do the process because they want to have a paper trail in case they fire somebody. But really, I want them to win. And somebody can't win if they don't know what's missing and what's expected. Like, what's expected of you? What's working? What's not working? And this is what's wanted and needed. We have to see this and then incrementalize. What is that going to look like? And if we see that, then we know it's happening. And that can be a number of different things. Like you, attitudinally, it could be when you have somebody constantly resisting what you're doing or questioning what you're doing when it's not even in their work scope. And then you, you know, those are attitude problems about well, what's behind that. And those need to be documented and they need to be discussed. And most executives that I've worked with, I find tend to lack the courage to do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know from my own life, I, I, I problems annoy me. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to. It's so true. I can, when something's a problem, you can see it in his eyebrows. He's, 
I just don't want them. I want it to go the way I want it to go. And I think that for my, for most folks, if some leader, some team player isn't performing, that's why they are in denial for a long time. They might even label it as like altruistic. Oh, we're going to give them a second shot. Like we're a good person over here. No, I'm, I'm avoiding this for my benefit, not for their benefit. Of course. And so, you know, I mean, I, yes, to whoever was that said it five years ago, whatever, the higher, slow, fire, fast. I think that's become the vernacular that's worked in culture. And I think most people have signed up for, signed up for that. But how to, how to fire fast, but Dan, the beautifully, I think, articulated. There's a way to, because if you fire fast and fire poorly, you're not going to do all the things we just talked about in the mm-hmm. first, you know, first 30 minutes of this podcast. And then you're going to spend a lot of time cleaning that stuff up. Yeah. Because if you avoid, 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 and then fire, then you're going to miss out on a whole lot of things. Especially you're going to miss out on like all the growth and learning and opportunity for you. And the team's going to watch you do that. And it's going to create more apprehension. Um, That was my MO, by the way, for like a decade. (laughs) Yeah. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Hey, you know, Molly, it's just not going to work out. Okay. You think about it. Why, Why do... I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to talk about it because I don't want them to leave. Cause if they leave, I'm going to have more work. Mm-hmm. Right. So when, 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 the, the, when I talk about execs, not willing to have that conversation, don't have the courage for it. It's they don't have, they they're afraid they're going to get too much work on their own plate or that this person's irreplaceable or it's going to take too long to replace them. That's All right. of which I, I literally in my years of experience have found to be most of the time, not true. Mm. That, that a that, well, there's more work, yes, but how much more work does it cost you? How many more targets do you have to miss? How many board meetings do you have to have? How many investors stop investing because you're not hitting your targets? You know, mm. you know, there's all kinds of implications, and I think by having an open and transparent culture, and we mean open book, people know the implications. If I don't deliver, how does that affect everybody else? Yeah. Right. And how does it affect the overall purpose of the team? That rarely gets communicated, which that's part of the culture. Again, we're back to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know for me, I was I was worried about, uh, I also had a, even though maybe not conscious all the time, but now looking back, I can see, I was worried I was going to be held accountable to more things if I held somebody else accountable to it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and not, Talk about it because then I had an out rather than stake, a, you know, put a stake in the ground and say, this is what we're about. Welcome to prison. <laughs> that's how it is in prison. You don't think on somebody, right? They have that's the first thing when we go into a prison, do any work. You've got to get that whole idea that you, you know, you don't rat on somebody like, like calling them out or calling into their weakness and having them get stronger. That's like ratting on them, right? Mm-hmm. Because who wants to do that? Because somebody's then going to do that to me, and I don't want to be found out either. Right? Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in prison trying to get myself rehabilitated. Yeah. Right. So if you you got to get that first. People got to be willing to talk about the things about themselves and others that could get them in trouble, but would actually make them stronger. Yeah. And that takes some finesse. That yeah. that you just don't make an announcement and have that happen. That's. That's through some time to build trust and respect. But if, if you are, I mean, I think, Chad, to your first, to your question that launched into this piece, 
you know, if, if it takes courage to entertain what's being lost if the behavior persists. And Dan mentioned that as a part of the conversation. But if you're willing to see that, and mo- that takes some courage because there's probably bad news there. And yeah. we'd, we'd, rather they're n- not, we'd rather not know the news than know the bad news, most of us, most of the time. Right on. So, but, if it, but if you're courageous enough to entertain what, how bad it's going to get, how much is it going to cost us, you might be able to put a financial number on it. You ought to do that if there's one there. How much time? That's a that's where most of the of the loss is. How much energy? You know, how much time do we spend talking about this instead of getting our work done? You know, when you work around people, it's like ah, that should be his thing, but let's just let's let this team do it. That type of stuff. If you can entertain all, like that, then that'll tell you how quickly to have the conversation. Yeah, and you know? if you if you keep saying, "Well, I don't want to have this conversation again." And well, you got to realize, well, yes, you do, because it's up again, because you didn't make a decision. And and yeah. you can go out and bitch about it, come, you know, you don't want to have it anymore, but it's there because it's a boomerang, because you're really not dealing with the problem, you're dealing with the symptom. And so it's coming back to you, right? That's yeah. probably the greatest indicator that there's a conversation that needs to be had, wants to be had, yeah. but isn't being had, is that the problem keeps reoccurring in different circumstances over and over again. Yeah. If you've and if you've built a culture, or if you want to build a culture, but if you've built a culture based on results, then these types of conversations are a lot easier. A lot easier. The results are the feedback of if the person wants to do the job or not. Mm-hmm. Like results are, you know, the result of the person's intention if they were willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. But most cultures aren't that way. We're not that rigorous around results. Some divisions of some companies are, but if you've got a culture based on results, these types of conversations are much more, even just even more natural. It's like, hey, I noticed you haven't been hitting your numbers. Let's talk about it. Something must be off. What are you up against? What are you up against? Yeah, what do I not know? That's what I needed. And, yeah. and, and then you start to get down into the nitty gritty of attitude because most likely this person's capable. Yeah. They probably have the expertise and probably can do it. So there's something in the way that they're relating to what they're doing and who they're working with that needs to be revealed. And Adrian giving that result, it's like, it helps us find out what that is because it's something objective and and it's what represents the future that we want. And there's probably something they are afraid to do or ask for, or, you know, act into start a conversation about, that's wanted and needed to, to get to what they need, right? Like, like I always say transformation, I really believe this, is in plain sight. And it's usually those conversations that I avoid because I'm afraid I can't deal with them or I can't control them. And those are the ones that are wanted and needed immediately, right? Mm. We have a, we have a you know, Adrian and I use this uh, principle is let's, have the conversation you least want to have. Let's have that one first. Yeah. Yeah. If you have the first one, you'll see there, there, if you point out the results and what's not working, their response is a trajectory. Yes. Right. If they go to blame, if they go to shame, if they go to, I want credit, you know, we're talking about this, but I, Oh, by the way, can you give me credit for this? 
Um, We're talking about the the sales numbers, but it's like, hey, remember, remember I brought in Ralph and he's a really good candidate. And I think, but but, hold on, we're talking about this. That's a trajectory, right? And that'll go ahead and tell you the future because what they're focused on when being faced with reality. And you can speak right to that. I'd speak right to the trajectory. Sounds like you don't want, because listen, it's not working. So what's wanted and needed? And if the conversation is about blame, then that's what they're focused on, right? They're focused on who's, what, what's at fault instead mm-hmm. of how did I contribute and how can I solve it? That's the only way to stay here is actually, is actually to find, utilize other internal resources or people on the team in order to get to the result. So if, if the conversation isn't that, if it's something else, then you know you get to see whatever future is coming, and I just coach right into that or speak right into that. You're not the coach. Yeah, talk about that, Adrian. Just make that really clear. Sure. So, so whenever, whenever, if you bring it up, right? If you point out the obvious around results, or around the person's attitude, or around whatever the thing is, you want to listen clearly to where they go next. What do they do when being faced with what will hear to them like a critique? What will hear to them like? Bad news. Where do they go next? Do they go to justify it? Do they go to blame someone else? Do they blame the market? Do they right now? Do they blame COVID? Do they blame like do they blame something else? Like like this is what's happening and it's bad and the source of why it's bad is out there. Yeah, and so it becomes like a defense for why it is this way. That's right. Means it will stay that way. That's right. They might change the subject of the conversation, but the position of the subject is what's important, right? So it's out there. So now it'll be, a, if, even if they, they might change their story and it was the market last time and now it's the board of directors or now it's the marketing plan or whatever. But if it's something external, you know that the person has chosen to be powerless over themselves and powerless over their results that they create. They're telling you that. It's not me, it's it or them. So, or... or- or I'm bad. I'm bad. I can't do it. I'm, you know, I, I'm just a bad. It always works out this way. Sure. There's something wrong, bad, or broken with it, whatever it is, them out there, or me. Yeah. Those conversations are going to be rationalizations to keep things the way they were. So I don't have to be dominated by resourcing myself and those around me to find what it's going to take to actually accomplish what I said, which is where the gas is. Like, that's where the fun is. When I get off of trying to preserve myself and I get into, geez, I know I missed that. I, you know, I didn't even see that coming. I wonder what was, you know, I start getting into the forensics of what was wanted, needed, what I was afraid to ask for, what what I didn't respond to, you know, what I didn't think about that I could have thought about that would have helped me prepare. There's a lot of things I could see. So once I see those things, I'm equipped and excited about going again. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, the minute I can see, that there was something I missed, there's something that was possible that I didn't perceive. Whatever it's going on, I can get excited because I'm dedicated to the outcome. I'm dedicated to what that future is. And so now I want to go again. I want to go give it a shot again. I remember as a as a young guy working at this company, I was doing, I was working uh, in, a, in marketing and sales. And we would do these intense interviews and people would move on to a training that we were doing. And it's a big dollar training, right? And we, then we go into, after each interview, we go into the war room and we discuss what worked, what didn't work. And I found that if I could just get into finding what I missed, 
I got excited about the next call. I'm not going to miss it on this or the next interview. I'm going to be focused on that, listening for how I can, you know, make a difference there, or at least how I can draw this out. Like certain things I may not have want to talked about that if we would have talked about might have opened it up mm. like that. The yeah. minute I can see that, I want to get back in there. I want to roll my sleeves up and go again. Right. And I think that's true for anybody who cares about what they're doing. That once they see some possibility that they didn't see before, they're ready to go again. Dan, earlier as you were talking about write-ups and, you know, you would you would write them up three times and, uh, you know, get really specific, all of that kind of stuff. What I heard in there that I don't think you said explicitly that I w- really wanted to draw out as this conversation starts to wind down is that was so impressive to me and I've never heard this framing around it before is that those are an opportunity not only to correct behavior or point out behavior that's not working, but that's an opportunity to look at what's possible. Yeah, and to develop yourself, right, as a professional. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm just thinking like leaders, and I dare, I certainly didn't think this way at all when I had to when I wrote uh, my people up on my team for things that weren't working. Is that wow? What an what a precious opportunity to talk about what's possible together. Right. This is not working. Now what's wanted and needed to get this thing that we know we both want. Yeah. And I think that part is often left off. Now, if they and if they say they didn't want it, well, then you know you got somebody that's not going to serve them to be there because that's what the team's about. And now it's better for them to move on if, or get up to it, right? That's right. Yes, right? right. Maybe much easier. But that that's that you can see how that's from a culture of transparency and openness because it's more about what we're, we we've connected to the larger vision, and we and and I can see that by having the larger vision come about, I'm served. Mm-hmm. If I get that, I'm going to be more excited about finding what's wanted and needed to have that happen. Mm-hmm. So such an entrainment, right? It's an ongoing kind of this is what we're aiming at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you know, it, what's the point of the conversation? Is the point of the conversation to point out the problems or to point out the potential or both? You want to do both. Yeah. Let's point out what's not working and let's point out what's possible. And, and yeah. I mean, I always, I talk about this all the time. Um, and we, I think we are positioned like this as coaches inside of these cultures that we work with and all the great leaders we work with as advocates. But I think these are, this is a, potentially for an advocate type conversation because you're, you're ta- you could be talking to them to start a paper trail and to begin the firing process. And probably if you're there, you're already resigned. And if you're already resigned, the person leaving, you've missed a whole bunch of conversations. Mm-hmm. You might as well let them go because you're lying. That's right. You're lying to them. You're lying to yourself. Um, you might exactly. I think you might as well let them go. But if the conversation is about potential, then you're an advocate for them, right? So you, if you're an advocate, and if that's clear, right, and if that's real for you, and if it's not real for you, I try it on as a way to lead. Try on. Hey, I'm here to really help. I want you to stay. I want this to work out. I believe in you. Like things like that come out of the mouth of an advocate. I want this to work out. And because I do, we have to talk about what's not working. Because I do, because I want these things, then, and I just think that is naturally what happens in an advocate type relationship. We all know this from even for people that friends in our lives that we know love so much, they tell us the truth. Yeah, they state their commitment to what they're up to with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so then, but if that's the context, then you can have these types of conversations that are actually authentic. And hey, we're going to talk about all the bad stuff. We're going to really talk about it. Bad, put that in quotes. But all the things that are in the way between us and the and the vision. 
That's all they are. They're just in the way between where we are now and the vision. But if, if there's alignment and commitment to being together in the vision, then we want to know all the, the challenges that are here. And you won't, you won't write, you won't do like a BS process of we're putting them on a development plan, which is what people typically are so generalistic. They don't have any teeth into them and they're so even transactional. That's, um, why, yeah, that's why you want to line out the consequences of success and failure in yeah. the plan. Yeah, that's like, right. Like you're in a way you're saying, look, hey, man, it's up to you. I'm with you. I'm a resource. I'm standing for you. And here's what we, you know, let's, we talked it out. Here's the process. Bring these results about we're in, man. We're going to this thing. And, and they're going to develop. They're going to develop their own career by that. Yeah. Yeah. And their behavior out of that meeting will tell you where this is going. You know, and you know, my, my last invitation, I know we're landing the plane here. My last invitation is to, is to cut whatever, whenever you'd like to talk to them next, cut it in half. Because you're going to want to say, hey, let's circle back in a couple of weeks, which is kind of like, ah, what should I do? I should probably talk to them again. I don't want to do this thing again. I should talk to them in a couple of weeks. In a month's too long, but two weeks sounds good, blah, blah, blah. Um, but talk to them. I mean, I would even talk to them. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to call you tomorrow and see how this is going. I'm going to call it to see you know, and re-reflect on this, on this conversation. If you want them to stay, that's what you do. If you don't want them to stay, and this is a dog and pony show, by the way, you should let them go. If not, then you don't talk to them for a couple of weeks. It'll it'll happen again. They're not going anywhere. Their beha- their habits will keep showing up for them. Yeah. But if you want to intervene in the habits that have, pro- have been producing the outcomes, then you'll need to intervene more frequently. They need that because we're habitual pattern machines. I need that. If I'm making a shift in my own life, I need somebody to help check in with me on a more regular basis. So that's my last... Um, invitation for you is checking with them a lot sooner around what's going on specifically in this conversation. Don't avoid it. They need you to talk about it. And by the way, you're going to hear in your own head, well, I shouldn't have to babysit them. Yeah. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to do that. That's kind of like they're wrong, bad and broken. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is what you got because you probably didn't do it before. Yeah. Well, and and babysitting is one way to frame it, right? Or right. Is it are you a are you a leader in this organization because you're here to serve them? Yeah, and serving them, you know, babysitting usually when I hear that it's because they haven't had the conversation they really want to have. Yeah, and and they're and you know I like I know whenever I'm not when I'm not willing to make the risk, I like to make myself the hero, and so I don't have to feel my own fear of having that conversation. Yeah. Well, babysitting, babysitting comes out of uh, so much of a victim mindset anyway. Yeah. Like, I don't have to do this. Look how hard my life is. I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm, these, these types of conversations, by the way, if you're wondering, most of you avoid them because you imagine they need to take two hours. They know this is like, this can be a five minute, con- when you check back in with someone, it can be a five minute conversation or even less. Yeah. How are they going about this? And you let, that's it. And and yeah. if it comes back to you, you didn't, you never had it. That's right. So, yeah. Well, great. Thanks for the exploration, your so, chat. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good conversation. Uh, next conversation next week, we're going to be talking all about once the uh, the the team member has exited, where do we go from here? And of course, we're calling this the life cycle. So it literally is a cycle because we started here with recruiting. And, uh, and, you know, once, <laughs> once we have an exit, usually it, we're, we're starting to look at recruiting. 
and how do we set ourselves up for that. So um, I really am interested in this next conversation talking about how we use, how we learn from an exit yeah. in sure. order to create uh, the, the type of culture and the type of relationship with the new person that we, that we want and that's going to win. So thanks so much for the conversation, gentlemen. Thank you, Chad. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. 